Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. We're about to jump into another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Plan, but before we do, guys, have you ever broken a bone? Yes, I have. Um, I I don't know if this counts as a break. I dislocated my jaw, uh, like flipping over on the on my bike. Like I kind of went head over handlebars. Uh, but the the more interesting one is uh, I was playing. Uh, I was a freshman in high school, and I was I decided you know what? I'm going to do something sportsy. Some guys Sports. some guys invited me to come play you know football in a field after church, and so I went out and played. And they were like, oh, we'll, we'll play tackle. And I was like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm a freshman. I'm not thinking that this is going to be a problem. Uh, and I, I tackle a guy. And I'm like, this is great. I just, I just made a play. This is awesome. Well, there was a, a girl who was playing with us and decided he was not tackled. So as he was getting up, uh, he uh, tackled him again. Or she tackled him again right onto my arm as I was kind of like leaning to get up. And it snapped, uh, you know, the two bones in my, my arm. So a, a girl broke my arm. And, uh, and that's that. I want to go back to the dislocated jaw thing. Oh yeah! Did it like re- relocate itself or well, like? <laughs> I, like I don't know if you, re- re- you can see me, but my my no, jaw like, basically like, is in the right place. Did it do it on its own, or did you have to like go get um, it set? I like, I was not a, like super like my memory of the like immediate aftermath, but I did have to go to the doctor, and he did have to do some things, and I did get to drink milkshakes for a month after that. Wow! Yeah, which maybe maybe is where bring your pastor milkshake day came from because. I got I, I got a lot of but they were more like you know diet shakes where it was like here's some nutrition because you can't chew. So I'm yeah. traumatized by this. I had to ask because like, did you ever have braces when you were kids? So I, had, I did not. I had braces when I was a kid. I did. And um, like you've got to wear the rubber bands, and so the rubber bands seriously mess with like the alignment of your jaw. And so at some point when I was I was like in that last phase of my rubber bands, and I woke up one morning and I couldn't open my mouth. And so the doctor said, you got to stop wearing your rubber bands because, um, and I was trying to get like my split straight, you know, like trying to get my teeth looking good. Um, and so, um, he's like, if you don't, I'm going to have to break your jaw and reset it. And I was like, for my teeth? No, I'm good. I don't need, I don't need to fix my, (laughs) I don't need to fix my overbite or anything like that. That totally fine. But still to this day, it still gets stuck every once in a while. And I got to kind of. I got to kind of work it out. So uh, all, all everybody who ever wore braces, they know my pain. So Eric, how about you? You ever hear someone say that, that a person has a face for radio? Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. So my answer to this question explains why I have a face for radio or podcasting. <laughs> I have fractured my skull twice. I have broken my nose three times. So the way that my whole head appears is not the head and face that God originally gave me. I have done some serious damage to this thing. Uh, and then let's see, what else have I broken? I've broken my wrist playing basketball, like intramural basketball in college. And I broke my foot in seven places on a Whoa. mission trip. Wow. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of bones in your foot, apparently. And I uh, I got after some of them. So. <laughs> Man, that's terrible. That's a lot. Nikki, did you say if you actually broke a bone? You you talked about rubber bands, but I didn't hear if you broke a bone. No, I I haven't broke a bone. That's the closest wow. I can get to it. Is the, maybe the potential of having my jaw broken? But, but no, you 
you you were a skateboarder, right? Like we've talked about this yeah, before. Yeah, skateboard, dirt, dirt bikes, four wheelers. I feel like mm-hmm. every skateboarder I know has a has a broken bone I, story. I wasn't a very good one. <laughs> 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 I have fallen quite a few times, but never never broke anything. Yeah, that uh-huh. seems improbable. Yeah, good well, for you. Yeah, that you would skateboard and not break a bone. Yeah, I was very I was very lucky. <laughs> All right, fa- what what passage are we looking at today? All right, we're reading uh, Jeremiah chapter forty seven. Uh, this is a little different from some of the things we've talked about in Jeremiah thus far. Uh, Jeremiah is a long book. The first forty five chapters are really all about the people of Judah and their sin and how God brought the consequences of the Babylonians coming in and invading, taking them into exile, and all of the things leading up to that, and after it happens, and processing it, and all of that. That's been the topic. Starting in chapter 46, Jeremiah shifts his attention not to Judah and what's happening with the Babylonians, but to all the other nations around the land of Israel. So he talks about Egypt and the Philistines and Moab and a bunch of other people, and he's talking about what Babylon's going to do to them. And so it's a little bit different. And uh, the reason I wanted to talk about this is because if you're reading along, if you're reading something about Israel or Judah, you can kind of figure out like, okay, this is God talking to his people. So I can see how that sort of is similar to God and me, right? But when it's like God's talking to some country that doesn't exist anymore, what do we do with that? So we're going we're gonna to try to tackle these seven verses and see what we can get out of that. So uh, Eric, go ahead and read in uh, uh, chapter 47, verses one through seven. This is the word of the Lord that came to Jeremiah the prophet concerning the Philistines before Pharaoh attacked Gaza. This is what the Lord says. See how the waters are rising in the north. They will become an overflowing torrent. They will overflow the land and everything in it, the towns and those who live in them. The people will cry out. All who dwell in the land will wail at the sound of the hooves of galloping steeds, at the noise of enemy chariots and the rumble of their wheels. Parents will not turn to help their children, their hands will hang limp. For the day has come to destroy all the Philistines and to remove all survivors who would help Tyre and Sidon. The Lord is about to destroy the Philistines, the remnant from the coasts of the Kaftor. Gaza will shave her head in mourning. Ashkelon will be silenced. You remnant on the plain, how long will you cut yourselves? Alas, sword of the Lord, how long till you rest? Return your sheath, cease and be still. But how can it rest when the Lord has commanded it, when he has ordered it to attack Ashkelon and the coast? All right, let's talk about the O in comma, which is observations. And I will say this, part of when you get to a tricky passage, some of the work that helps with it is not to skip the observation part, to actually say, okay, what do I see here? Uh, Because that might help get you some clues of what might connect with you. Well, I think the Philistines are kind of terrified of this right now. Like I'm trying to I'm trying to kind of put myself in the position of like so Israel up to this point is hearing all the things from Jeremiah and then all of a sudden Jeremiah turns his attention to them and they're like, "Wait, wait, 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 wait. wait. Hold on. What did we do? You know, like why why are, why are you prophesying against us?" And um I'm I'm looking at him like God's not just the God of Israel. He's the God of the world. And He's going to he's gonna show it. The first verse that stuck out to me that illustrates how bad this is going to be is in the last part of verse 3 where it says, Parents will not turn to help their children. How bad does something have Seriously. to be? Like yeah. the first impulse of a parent is always 
to help their children. So I know there's a lot of imagery here that's de- telling us how bad this is going to be, but that was that one stuck out to me. Absolutely. The observation I had was how many references to places there are. Um, and and I, I know that my own instinct, especially early on reading the Bible, was to just ignore places that weren't like Jerusalem or some obvious place that I'd heard of. Um, but it actually can help sometimes to actually look at a map. And if you've got a good study Bible, the NIV study Bible uh, has maps in the back. And the way they, the, the maps work is that they've got maps for the different eras of Israel's history. So uh, if you go back to the back of the study Bible, you'll find, you know, kind of during the time of Abraham and during the time of the Exodus. And it's kind of split up like that, you know, during Jesus's time, because the, the names of the places and the countries around kind of shift around. So you kind of want to find something that's um, roughly in the time frame that you, uh, you're reading. In. So if you're reading in Jeremiah, there is a map, I think, in the back of the, the uh, study Bible uh, that says uh, Israel at the time of the prophets, or you might even look at Israel at the time of, you know, is, uh, the divided kingdom. These are kind of the, around that time. And you can find some of the places that are named in this uh, section in the map. And so let, let me, let, I've done this, um, and obviously it's not right there on the, on the page, but I'll tell you some of the things I noticed. Uh, the first is this. It talks about being on the coast, and then it names places like Gaza and Ashkelon and a few of these cities, and I found those, and they're right there on the coast. So it's interesting to see, like, the, the land of the Philistines was kind of in the southern, western side of the, the territory of Israel. It's kind of there in the corner. And below them, kind of to the south, was Egypt. So I, I just kind of noticed that. Um, and then I noticed here it talked about um, – Waters rising in the north. So there's something coming from the north that's going to be a problem for the Philistines. And I kind of looked at the wider map and I realized, oh, we've been talking about Babylon all this time. Well, Babylon's to the north. And if Babylon's coming in and invading Israel and Judah, guess what they're going to hit next? They're going to hit the Philistines, Mm -hmm. right? So I'm looking at these and kind of getting my bearings. Like, it's not important to, like, memorize all of the towns. But if you kind of get a sense of where things are moving, it it brought a little bit of clarity for me. One thing that stood out to me... Uh, was verse six, alas, sword of the Lord, how long till you rest, return to your sheath, cease and be still. And he goes, but how can it rest? Like, it's almost like, you know, it will, it's going to come to an end. Don't like, don't worry. Eventually it's going to come to an end, but wait, how can it? Like, there's still more, there's still more judgment to be had. Um, it's just really interesting to to think of, like, in my in my mind, I got this picture of like, there's one more thing that I need to, there's, there's one more city that I'm going to have to judge. There's one more thing that I'm going to have to do. I can't fully be still because there's always going to be one more thing that I have to take judgment on. I have an observation here that is not based on something in the text, but it is about the fact that the Philistines are not the people of God. So if you have God and his people, and you have the priests and the prophets, like you have all of this working in one one nation, one big relationship. But here we have a prophet of Israel speaking to a neighboring, speaking about a neighboring nation. How in the world would the Philistines even hear this message? Like it's not, it's not like it was podcasted or... <laughs> Yeah. And and why would they even pay attention to it? Like these are all the things I think about. Or even if they were paying attention to it, they might say, "Well, we don't have any kind of covenant or deal with your God, so why is he talking to us?" 
Yeah, and and it's interesting that it's recorded in Israel scripture. So it wasn't just, hey, we sent a message off to the Philistines and people are like, oh, okay, I hope they get it or whatever. It's like, well, they, they kept it because it obviously meant something to them. So the people of God are saying, it's important for us to know what God thinks about the people around us. And so this isn't just sort of like, well, it's somebody else's mail. They're saying, no, this tells us something about God and about our relationship to the other nations, about um, how he operates in the world, with the scope of what he does. Uh, that sort of thing. So it is an interesting question. I, I, I have a feeling that the Philistines, um, I don't know how it would have gotten to them, but I have a feeling they just, they weren't paying attention. They weren't, they weren't listening to this. Yeah. The, the first verse is, this is the word of the Lord that came to Jeremiah, the prophet concerning the Philistines. I don't want to get too nit, nitpicky on words here, but it doesn't say to the Philistines. So maybe the intention here isn't that the Philistines ever hear this, Maybe it's for the people of Israel about their neighboring nations. Yeah, there are a couple other places. I think about the beginning of Amos where God goes through like all the surrounding nations and says, oh, I'm going to get you for this and get you for this and get you for this. But the point of it is to come back and say something to Israel about their situation. Like, but now let me talk to you. Um, this could be a similar thing of saying, hey, Israel, you should know what my plans are uh, for these other people. Could it also be like a warning to the people of Israel? Meaning like... um like, okay, so, you know, I'm, I'm bringing you out of the exile that I, that I put you in, and I'm kind of moving on. I can move on to these neighboring, com- like these neighboring nations, but um, know that I'm also capable of doing this, like, if things were to ever go bad again with you guys. Like, is it a warning of, like— I'd have to think about that because it, it could be. I, I, I could imagine— this message being including included as a warning. I'm thinking about it, kind of the placement of where it is in the in the, in the book of Jeremiah. Like we've read all of this stuff where the condemnation of Israel has happened, the punishment has happened, the promises that you know there's a future after the exile has happened. Why put at the end of the book mm-hmm. this collection of things about the other nations? It might be like what you're saying. Hey, don't forget, like I'm still active or whatever. It might also be a you know, when, when, you know, early on when he says, I've got plans, right? Like, I know the plans that I have for you, right? But he's also saying, I've got plans for the nations around you. Mm-hmm. And so when you're thinking about what the future is going to look like and you're saying, are we still going to be, you know, dealing with these people? Are you going to actually do something about them? You know, you, de- you dealt with us. What's going to happen to all these people around us that are, you know, clearly idolatrous and whatever? Do you have any hand in that? And he's saying, actually, some of my plans for the future is to deal with all of that evil too. And there could actually be something reassuring about that like if you, i think about the philistines and i'm like well who's the philistine i know like the, the one story where i'm like you know anybody's heard of a philistine they've heard of goliath right like so david versus goliath goliath was a philistine so what do the philistines represent the like persistent annoying like arrogant enemy of god that are showing up and and freaking out the people of israel I don't know if that's what the, the what it was like in Jeremiah's day, but that's at least sort of what they represent. Like, God, are you going to deal with them too? Like, are you going to do something? There could be some hope of saying, God will deal with my enemies, and and I can trust him to do that. But I, I don't know which way to go. It's a good question. Yeah, and this is this is probably a good point to remind everybody. When you are in a small group Bible study or you're discussing the scriptures with people, it's more than okay to explore your questions and wander and discuss and think about it. But it's also important to look at the text and not spend all of your time on things you don't know, 
but to make sure you land on the things that you can see and do know from the text. Okay, so one of the obvious things here at this portion of Jeremiah, when he's talking to all of the other surrounding nations, is that Yahweh's sovereignty is over his chosen people. It's also over all the nations of the world. Mm-hmm. He's the creator and the Lord of all nations. He's incomparable, and nobody can successfully challenge his authority. Well, when we're talking about observations, one of the ones we go back to a lot is truths about God. Now, in this passage, I didn't notice like a bunch of titles about God, but if you back up and say, what does this tell me about God? It says, he can say things to the Philistines too, and he can say things to whoever he wants because he's not limited to one people or one region or whatever. That tells That's a truth about God. And even if I don't understand the context about the Philistines, I can at least get that part out of that, you know? Let's, this is a good transition into message here, because this is, this is where it gets tricky for a lot of us in these kind of passages, is when we say, okay, I kind of read it and got some observations, but can I actually get a principle that I could apply to me out of this? And we've already done down that road, but let's hear what uh, message you guys would get out of this passage. So my message, um, I actually said it earlier, was God is not just the God of Israel, but he's also the God of the world. Um, just based off of what we've been talking about, it's very clear to me um, that he has no bounds. Okay, so my message is based somewhat on the end of verse 4, which refers to the remnant from the coasts of Kaftor, uh, which is Crete, the island of Crete, which is located in the Mediterranean Sea, partially based on Clayton talking about it's helpful sometimes to look at maps to find things, to get your bearings. So you have Crete, this little island in the Mediterranean Sea, And God is paying attention even to people who are from Crete, live on Crete. He is the Lord of all of the nations. He is paying attention to everything, even places where you and I can't locate on a map. Yeah, just uh, just a fill in one detail too. Uh, Kaftor was the original uh, homeland of the Philistines. They sailed across the Mediterranean and landed on on Israel's shore, and so that's that's why it's referenced here. Mm-hmm. Uh, my message is really similar to you guys. Um, you know, the, the idea that God is the God of all nations. I, I particularly thought the angle of God judges all nations eventually. That we look at the world and we see evil in the world, and eventually God judges all of it. That sound means it's time for your comma tip of the week. Those maps in your study Bible are there for a reason. And now is a great time to start using them as we're reading through Jeremiah and talking about all of these various nations. Find those maps. You might find it very helpful. And this has been your comma tip of the week. All right, let's talk about the other M in comma, which is meditation. This one's challenging uh, here. This this whole thing is challenging. But uh, normally, I pick out a passage that uh, you you know prayerfully uh, you know have a conversation with God about. I'm not sure there is a really obvious one. And sometimes you have readings like that. So sometimes what I do with that is I I back up and almost. Uh, use meditation as a way of kind of getting into the application portion. And and what I do is I think about the message and I say, okay, God, talk to me about my life and how this would apply or what it would illuminate or what it would change uh, in that. So let, let's do that. Um, I want you to think about this idea that we've been circling around, that God is the God of all nations, that he has authority over all of it, and have a conversation with God about that. It might be a conversation of worship, you know, to praising him for that. It might have something to do with your life, and he wants to say, hey, this will change your perspective on something. Uh, so take 45 seconds to prayerfully ponder that.
All right, let's talk about the A in comma, which is application. What do we do in response to this? My application for my message, um, God is not just the God of Israel. God is the God of the world. Um, I, I took like an, uh, like an evangelism type of uh, look, look at it. That was what I was meditating on as we were reading through the passage. Um, God is the God of my neighbor who doesn't know him. Um, God is also, uh, meaning they like that he has authority over their lives. You know what I mean? Like, um, they don't know it, but he is the God of the universe. And one day, um, when he comes back, they're going to know it. And, um, hopefully they're going to know it because at some point in time, um, they got to know him on a personal relational level and they surrendered their life to him. Um, but that's only going to happen if, you know, myself or someone else comes along and shares the good news of who Jesus is with them. And so for me, um, you know, and and then there is that second option too, like when Jesus comes back, um, I don't want him to be afraid because I don't know him because that's not going to go well. You know, that's, that's not a, that's not a good returning for them. So I want to be someone who, um, has boldness, uh, to tell people about the God of the world. Um, and who he is, what he's done for me, and how he can do that same thing for them. One of the things that reminds me that he is the Lord of all nations is Voice of the Martyrs. Uh, so their website, or I have their, I get their physical once a year, they send out a prayer book, like which kind of goes through every country of the world and things you can be praying for for believers in various countries of the world. And so my application is sometimes I get in a good rhythm of like in my prayer time, I, I have like a, you know, I have a certain plan. You know, most people have a certain plan for their Bible reading and their prayer life. I hope you do. Uh, well, Voice of the Martyrs is a part of my plan, but sometimes it slides out. Um, and so for me, the application is to pull Voice of the Martyrs stuff back in to my prayer time. Because what that does for me is my world can get very small. I can think about only our church and where I live in Elburn, Illinois. Um, and so... Voice of the Martyr stuff helps like me lift up my head and remember that God is the God of all creation in every nation. Uh, mine is obviously similar to, to this. We're thinking about that idea of God of the nations. But um, in particular, if God is a God who deals with the evil of the nations, there, there's uh, as scary as that is, um, it's also reassuring in certain ways. I, you know, I often find when I'm reading the news or I'm looking at things, I think, man, What's what's gonna like? How's this gonna work out? Like, what's gonna end all this? Let's what's gonna like uh, rid the world of these problems? Because it's not it's not like I've never opened my news in the morning and been like, oh, look, it's like a it's a day completely free of evil and conflict. No one is doing something awful to another person in the world. Wow, this is a wonderful day. Like it's never happened, and I know that from here until Jesus returns, that's gonna happen. But there is something really reassuring to say. No, in every place, God knows. And he'll deal with evil, um, either by drawing people to repentance or by judging it. And that's that's a good thing. All right. Well, there you have it, friends. Thanks for listening this week. Join us next Monday for a new episode. We'll be looking at another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Plan. In the meantime, if you're not following along, you can check out BibleSavvy.com to download it and to start reading today. Also, you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcast at BibleSavvy.com. Lastly, tell your friends, and we'll talk to you next week. 